Thank you. Well, it's my joy to be with you this uh, morning and also to know that some of you, especially those who are not able to be here, are watching uh, on online, a live stream. So we are at the end of the summer too. It's the Labor Day weekend and uh, it's also the beginning of something new. So we are at the end of our journey through the book of Psalms. We've looked at different Psalms and... Uh, for some reason, uh, we chose Psalm 1. So you might say, why did I choose Psalm 1 at the end? And I'm not sure about you, but when I grew up, this was uh, one of the Psalms, my favorite Psalms, beside Psalm 23. Psalm 1 was one that my family pushed me. Maybe I was even in kindergarten when they asked me to start memorizing it. And it's a good psalm to study at the beginning. And I wonder if you were to choose now out of the 150 psalms, which one is your favorite? What is your favorite psalm? But the second reason is not just because I was pushed to uh, learn it uh, and memorize it, uh, is that we are at the beginning of a new school year for many of us, for our families. It's the beginning of a new ministry year here at Hillside. And we do not know what the year holds, and all of us want to be blessed in this new school year, in this new ministry year. All of us want God to give us joy, to give us His presence, to give us success, and to make us happy in this coming school year, to bless us. And we wonder, you know, what makes you happy? And that's a fair question, what makes you happy? That's the first word that maybe comes in the psalm. It says, blessed. But what makes you happy? Or in other words, what, what gets you excited? It could, be, it could be Netflix, right? Sports. Maybe a glass of wine. Or a bottle of wine. There's, there are some things that make us happy. And... Um, Whatever that thing is, it tells a lot about what's important in our lives. And at the beginning of the book of Psalms, you know, it's kind of the preface to a book. It's kind of the introductory, the table of content. It, it, and it, it gives us this introductory. It says, you know, this is what life is about. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us. And the first word in the psalm is blessed. That's how it starts. Blessed is the one. Blessed is like that part of being maybe eternally happy, supremely happy, being happy in a sense that no other human being but the child of God can be happy, having that joy that only Christ can give you. And uh, it's interesting that it's not only blessed, it says is, is the one. It doesn't say the king or doesn't say the rich. It doesn't say the scholar, the educated one. It says, blessed is the one which includes you and me, it includes the oppressed, the neglected, the forgotten, the one that is not special, is just everyone, everybody, rich and poor and young and old, everybody is included because we are blessed by this God that we follow. And what's interesting is it is starting the psalm with this word, blessed, but immediately there is this distinction between Two groups of people or two profiles, the righteous and the wicked. And that's what the Bible tells us, that there are two ways of life. And Jesus says, narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And that's very, very hard for a contemporary culture to accept. 
when we Christians say what Jesus said, basically Jesus said, there are only a few that find the narrow path, that walk on the narrow, the straight path. Most walk on the wide, the broad way. And it's hard for us as Christians, we say, why not? It's not fair. But that's what the psalm says. You know, there are two ways, and the righteous one, and it starts like, like the Hebrew poetry. You know, it starts with the righteous, then goes to the wicked, and then comes back to the wicked and the righteous. And in the end, it's kind of a concluding remark. How do they end up in different, in different de- destinies, eternal destinies? It's, it's interesting how the world is split in these two categories. There are no three categories, just two, the righteous and the wicked. And we start with the righteous, and it says that the righteous has to do something. And it's a negative because it says you have to resist. Resist is a word that is sometimes misunderstood, but especially in today's culture, right? But, but why start with the negative? Just think of a coach. You know, this uh, fall, the coach is going to take a team, and the first thing that the coach is going to tell the team is going to be, you know, make sure that if you are on this team, you don't do this. You don't get drunk or whatever, you know, rules. Sometimes they have dietary restrictions. Sometimes they say you cannot sleep two hours at night. You need to come rested for practice. And, and there are a lot of negative rules. And then, that's how the psalmist starts. You know, it says, make sure that you resist because we live in a culture that is hostile to God and to Christians. You can say what Oskina said, that we live in an A. B.C. culture today, which is anything but Christianity. You can be a Buddhist, you can be an atheist, a skeptic, a Muslim, whatever, but not a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are a problem in this society. And it looks like we are the scourge or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's not easy for us to be Christians, to stand up in this society. And that's how the psalmist starts. and say you have to resist. And there are three things that says, make sure that you do not walk in the step with the wicked. You see, it's a negative. You do not walk the righteous. Make sure that if you know the blessed, the blessed one does not walk, does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. What does it mean that it doesn't walk? You see, all of these three negatives stand, walk, sit. It's almost like a progression, right? You just walk, and then you stand, and then you sit. So, but what does it mean that you do? I mean, the first, the first one, it says, do not walk. And you think, well, what does it mean to walk? It's just, you just walk. I mean, you cannot isolate yourself. And the psalmist is not saying that we should isolate ourselves, but it says, do not walk, which is a lot about the, the idea that we are travelers in this world, and life is a journey, and wherever the direction of your life is dictating the destiny of life. So just think of yourself as a journey. Life is a journey and you are a traveler. Maybe think of the books that describe that. One of them is the Pilgrim's Progress. But, but that's the idea that we are traveling. And we must not let the world, the culture, tell us how to behave. Give us advice. Change our mindset. Define our mindset. And influence us. You know, for example, you say, what does it mean that? You know, it's a lot about thinking. You know, the walking is just the direction of the society. And it's thinking, you know, let's, let's say, for instance, we are here 30 minutes a week here in the church. But how much time do we spend on letting other voices influence us? The voices of the culture. Maybe we, people say that we spend between four and seven hours sometimes a day 
on other voices, letting other voices come into our hearts, in our minds, and changing our thinking. And then the question is, who is then advising you? Let's say somebody says, you know, I am pregnant and I'm not married, what shall I do? What's the advice? Or somebody says, you know, my wife just steps on, on my toes every, I cannot stand her. She's not making me happy, what shall I do? And then it's so critical, who gives you advice? Or like a teenager, you, you just talk and you talk with your peers and you say, you know, my parents are just driving me crazy. What can I do about that? And it's critical, what is the voice? What choice do you make? Who is st- speaking into your hearts? It's not only thinking, it says do not walk, but also do not stand, do not stand. And the standing is about actions. You know, when you start to stand in the same company, you start to behave differently. Your behavior starts to change. And then finally, it's do not sit, which is about belonging. When you sit in the company of somebody, you belong to them. Some people say, maybe you heard us saying, tell me who your friends are, and I will tell how or who your character is, how your destiny will be. Your friends, your company, and in the Jewish thought, the company in which you sit was defining who you are. Just think about of Lot in the book of Genesis. He was moving closer and closer to the city of Sodom until he lived among them, and he started to fight an uneven fight. But, but the, the culture is not easy to stand against and to resist this culture, but the culture wants us to listen to their music, right? The culture wants us to laugh at their jokes. The culture pushes us to accept their social norms and sexual morality, and there is so much that the society expects from us. So it's not easy to resist, to resist, and yet... That's what the righteous person does. Remember Peter, the apostle Peter? He was with Jesus. And this is not a parallel, but it's just an idea. You know, Peter, at the last, uh, after the last supper, in the last night with Jesus, Jesus uh, said, you know, you should go. And all of them run away. But Peter is following Jesus from a distance. And he comes and he walks into the presence of God's enemies and Christ's enemies into the temple court. Those were people that were saying lies and wanted to crucify Christ. He walks there, and then he stands with them by the fire. He warms himself because it was a cold night, just like tonight here and a few nights here. And he sits by the fire to warm himself up, but he is surrounded by Christ's enemies. And then he sits in the company of mockers, those who mock Jesus, those who spit on his face. And that's in that context. It's the context in which Peter fails and betrays Jesus. He places himself in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And he cannot resist that temptation then to say, no, I never knew this, this Jesus. Everybody says, no, Peter, you know, that he says no. So the righteous is somebody that is avoiding bad company, but not because, not because the bad company doesn't need God's grace, but because we should not be contaminated by it. But yet we are not isolated, but we do not let it contaminate us. You see, the difference between the mockers in the temple and Peter is once Peter falls into sin and denies Christ, he goes outside and he, he cries and he, he beats in chest bitterly. And he is repentant of what he did. The others, they kept on going. Big difference between the righteous and, and Peter. 
who is willing to repent. So the first thing is resist. Resist the culture, which means do not let the culture determine your thinking, your actions, and your behaviors, and your belonging, your company. Do not let the culture say who you are. The second one is embrace. It's a positive one. And the psalmist moved from a negative one to a positive one. And what is the righteous doing? And he says, whose delight is in the law of the world, of the, of the, the law of the Lord. There is something that he delights more than anything else. And the law here is not only the Torah. You can take it as the scriptures, but also take it as the Bible, as God's guide for our lives. So the righteous says, I have a compass. My GPS, my GPS is God's law. It's not what the culture says. My GPS is God's law. And in the Old Testament, it's interesting how the command was to write God's laws on your door frames of your houses, on, on your gates. And there is this door, for example, a Jewish door. That even today, they have this nice uh, piece. It, it can be sometimes plastic, is encased in, in or in, in ceramic. But inside is a piece of God's law, and it's, it's called mezuzah. And it has on it the Hebrew letter Shin, because it represents that command from Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. The Shema, Israel, it says, Oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's what our, they have there. And then they were told, even by them on your forehead and in your arms. And we call that the phylactery, right? And they are a letter box with a verse, with a, with a command inside, a piece of the Torah inside. And it looks like this. And the Torah, the piece of God's law, is inside. And they can be soldiers praying. These are the morning prayers when they put all those phylacteries on them. And then they take them off and they go on. But this is their time of prayer. Or it can be anybody. And you see they have this shawl even. Besides the phylacteries on the forehead, on the hands... They have this shawl, prayer shawl. That's a prayer shawl. And even on the prayer shawls, they have these words from the Torah. I remember once I was in an airport, and uh, as we were going to security, there was a family of, of Jewish, Orthodox Jewish uh, people. And, you know, they had this prayer shawl, and it was amazing how they went to the security, and they took all of these prayer shawls, and then they had a... Uh, the tassels on them, and all sorts of clothing that it reminded me. At some point, once we were waiting by the gate, both men and women split in groups, and the women went in one side, the men in the other side, and they started to read and pray. And that was their prayer time. They just took the little Torah, and they started to read. And they would just read and read, and they were kind of absorbed in their world. But it was just fantastic to me to just watch them. And the prayer shawl, they had it on them and stuff like that. And that's what the Jews do. And then they have the tassel. The tassel are those things that, that also God commanded them to remind them. Put them on your clothes and make sure that they are blue and in a certain color to remind them of God's commands. And that was required of the Old Testament people, right? But we too, we too want the same thing. We want to meditate, to enjoy. It says not only that he delights, but also he meditates on his law day and night. It's not, it's not difficult to delight in God's law, right? If you delight something, it's not forced on you. And then you meditate on it. I mean, just think about if, you're, if you think about the first time or the second time you fall in love, right? You wanted to be with the person that you loved. That was your desire. Nobody forced you. Every word that the person you love said, it was so precious to you. Every moment together was so precious to you. And that's what the delight is. And then, and then the delight is, you know, you start to think of, you go home maybe, and you start to think, what did she say? What did he say? 
Did he say that he loves me? Did, did she say that, that she loves me? And, and, and then every word is so important. Every moment, everything that the other person says is not forced. You want to do it. Just think of how many hours you like to do something, like maybe watch, binge watching something or TV or sports or a team. You just grab a cheap, I mean, uh, potato chips or something, a bag, and just you are there because you love to do it. Nobody forces you to do it. It's just something that you delight in doing it. And the Lord says, the same thing you should do about myself, meditate, meditate. Meditate, you know, you cannot just come here for the 30 minutes. You have to go home and meditate. So how do I meditate? If you want to go deep, if you want to be strong, there are some things, and I just recommend you a book here. It's called uh, Reclaiming the Lost Art of Biblical Meditation, and it just came out about a few, few months ago. But you can take any book. There are so many books, but this one was helpful to me, you know. How to meditate, how to spend time in God's Word so that you grow deep, you go strong. And one, one of the tips is just write a verse. Write a verse on a sticky note and post it in your mirror or in the car. You can take it in the car so that you have it all the time with you or put it on your planner. If you just, just write that verse for you and say, this is my verse for today. You can even set up your, your mobile app, your phone, to get a verse from the Bible app. Every day is the verse of the day. That's one way to do it. You know, or the other way is to read a book at a time. Just start to read a book. There are books of the Bible that you can read in minutes, maybe five minutes the most. I mean, they're short books, like one page. You can read it even under five if you're a fast reader. But the, even the longest books of the Bible doesn't take you more than two hours. Did you think of that? You can sit in one reading and read the book of Genesis, maybe, you know, 70, 75 minutes, you are done. And it's a long book, powerful, you know, about the beginning. But just, just look at that. And then <clears throat> you can frame Bible verses, right? And this will stay with you longer, with your family. You can put them on a wall, and it's an inspiration for you, for your family, but also it's kind of a silent witness to your guests, to people that come in your home. And let me just give you some examples. Yeah, you will say here, no, he will lie, I will lie down and sleep in peace. You know, that's by your bedroom. Or maybe you have these frames, you know, with Bible verses. My soul finds rest in God alone. Or I am with you always, the promises of God. Or you're just in the living room, you say, be strong and courageous. While well, we look last Sunday, you know, Joshua first. Chapter first one verse eight. You know, be strong and courageous, and and all of these things are there to help you, remind you, to help you meditate, to help you ponder. What does it mean? In many ways, we know how to read the Bible, but even sometimes discuss it. But we do not have time to meditate, and that's a problem that all of us face because we have so many, so many other things to do, so busy lives, you know. But yet the Lord says meditate. Another another tip is you can say, I'm going to add a verse to a photo. Maybe you took a picture of somebody that you love or, or something that you love, maybe of the church or something, or, or, or your daughter. Or, and then you, you can use a Bible app, and in the Bible app, it will let you put a picture. And then you put the verse there. And then if it's something that you like, you can text it to your son or to your daughter. In my case, I just remember Zia was watching the solar eclipse, and I took a picture. And then I like to, you know, since she's not with us anymore, she's at at the school, I said, okay, I'm going. So I just put this verse. I say, you know, lift up. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come? It doesn't look perfect, right? But it's just a picture. So then I said, oh, it looks good. So then I texted her. And she said, okay, thank you. That's a way to stay in touch with one another, to encourage somebody. Some of you might get a, a picture like that from me sometime. You know, I like to take pictures. But, but everything that you do is basically to meditate to delight, to meditate, to get stronger, to get stronger roots, stronger, deeper in God's Word. And that person, the, Bible, the psalmist says, the person that does that 
delights and meditates is like a tree. Have you thought that you are like a tree? Planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It's the same thing like Joshua chapter 1. Last week we looked at that and it says, Joshua, make sure that you are strong and courageous and meditate on the book of the law. Do not depart from it left or right, but meditate day and night the same so that you will be prosperous and successful. Think of a tree that is planted by the streams of water. This tree has deep roots. And this tree doesn't get nourishment just when it rains, right? Like 30 minutes on Sunday. It gets nourishment every day, all the time. The water is there. The deep, the deep, deep waters, the deep roots go and grab water all the time. And that's what the meditation brings to us. Delight in God's Word. The meditation. We become like trees, very strong. And when the storm comes, then it's the time when the roots are tested. And storms will come in your life, in my life. But the storm will test how deep our roots are. There was a tree in my neighborhood and it fell off when a, a storm came. And I looked and I could not believe it. It just had a little, little root. It was a huge tree with just short roots. You don't want to be a little tree. You don't want to be just a little bush that is strong. And you have, want to be a tree that can, can, can withstand almost any hurricane. A hundred miles, I can withstand it. And how do you get stronger? How do you get deeper? By doing that. And this is what Joshua is also told. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And sometimes successful is nothing more than being faithful in one day. Doing what you can do in that day. Lord, today this is what I can do. Grow deeper. Stand on your word. Meditate on it. And enjoy the life that you bless me with. And stand the storms because my roots are deeper. You know, it's not the same with the wicked. And that's the contrast. You know, it says, the Bible says, but not so with the wicked. They are like chaff. And that the wind blows away. They are like chef. It's like a cause and effect. Deep roots, strong. Shallow roots, nothing. The chef has no roots. The chef basically is just sitting there on the grain of wheat or rice or whatever it is. And you have to throw it up in the air and the wind blows the chef. First of all, you, you trample it and then you throw it up in the air. And then you, the chef just is blown by the wind. You can even blow it with your breath. And it goes. It has no roots. It goes everywhere. They are so lightweight people. Lightweight. There's nothing that grounds them. And it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. And the Bible says, the, the wicked are like chef. They are blown by the wind away. And instead of growing deep. So, so the question for us is, in the storm, what are we? Are we deep, deep, strong root trees? Rooted, grounded solid, planted by the streams of water, or are we just like chaff, lightweights that are blown by the wind? It's, it's even worse. It's getting worse for the wicked. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Remember, the righteous is not standing in the company of the wicked. Now, the wicked cannot stand at the end in the company of God because God brings the judgment, and they cannot stand because they are like chaff. They are blown away. They are sinners that cannot stay or sit, right, or walk in the assembly of the righteous. 
It's ironic how in the beginning it says the righteous might not stand or sit and walk with the wicked and then, and the mockers, and then it says because the mockers in the end, they cannot stand in God's presence and in the assembly of the righteous. And it's cause and effect. It's almost like whatever you choose, your destiny, your eternal, eternal destiny is going to be determined. And the last verse of the psalm says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We can be here in the church today, and it's not our prerogative. It's not Pastor An or I who decides who's, who's fake and who's not. But the storms of life are going to test us. And some of us will be like chaff, and some will be like strong trees. And that's what I pray this morning, that you will let this Word of God, through meditation, delight, ground you. Ground you in Christ, ground you in God, in what He did. And may you let the Holy Spirit work in you, so that you will be like a tree that is planted by clear, crisp waters. Let's watch this video together.
Remember the righteous person is doing two things. First, he resists resist the lies of the culture, of the enemy, and then he embraces the word of God, delights in it. Remember to do that. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that this morning you call us back to, to a new beginning, and it's a new beginning for all of us. And in many ways, this new ministry here at Hillside, we want it to be blessed. We want to be a prosperous, successful year. We want to be a year in which we are happy in you. Regardless of the circumstances, we want to stand strong on your word. We want to meditate and to delight in it. And we want our roots to grow deep and to be like trees that are planting. And whatever storms comes, we are going to stand on the rock, which is Christ. So we put our lives into your hands at the beginning of this ministry and school year. And we ask that you will bless us with strength to embrace your word and to let Jesus rule in our hearts as Lord in Christ. In his name we pray, amen.